Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes in the Mines. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. And it is episode 87. Uh, it's a chain whirler world, and we're just living in it. Yes, yeah, so who, who'd have thought that that wouldn't be, that Steel Leaf Champion wouldn't be the craziest triple pip drop? It was pretty absurd when we first saw it. And it does definitely has kind of the big splash factor because, like, it's a three mana five four. We'll we'll, um, we'll we'll talk about some of that stuff because it did actually make a splash. But oh, we'll, it did. It definitely did. But um, chain whirler op. Chain whirler eh, maybe op. Nah. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna talk about the pro tour that happened this past weekend. Uh, before we do so, we're gonna turn our eyes to the community real fast. Uh, one, uh, we're recording on Thursday uh, because we lost track of time yesterday. Uh, it, it was my fault. I'll take I'll take full credit on this. I'm basically pre. If any of you have ever moved, you know that before the movers come, you basically have to get your stuff in order. I'm getting my stuff in order right now, so I was like, "Oh, it's wow, holy crap! Look at the time." Yep, because <laughs> it's living in Pacific Northwest. It doesn't actually get dark until like nine twenty right now, which is ridiculous. So like, yeah, I'm like, "Oh, right. it's the light outside," and you're like, "Yeah, it's eight forty. I'm like, "What? Oh." I should eat food, too. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. Uh, first thing we want to do is we want to hype the uh, pre-pre-release for Battle Bond. That's not actually a pre-release, but whoever, whatever, who cares? Uh, it, that is this Friday. Shows, so, so should be a uh, day of publication for this. Uh, it starts at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time or Pacific Standard Time, whichever one it is. Daylight. I really don't care. PDT. Sure. Uh, and it's going to have the five Lursmen of Graham, Kathleen, Cam, Adam, and Ben as, as a first-time PPR alongside uh, uh, Young Mage, who's a YouTuber, uh, Dana Fisher, who is a the youngest Magic Magic Pro. I don't know if that's Grinder. We'll call her Grinder because she's got buys. Grindr. She's got like she, two she, buys. She, she does have buys. Uh, and then also uh, Jules Robin, I D. believe is huh. Yeah, from R and D. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I have. Yeah, no, right. yeah, you got it. I have the. I have the image up. Excellent. We're, you're good. Nailed it. Um, from R and D, uh, playing Battle Bond for everyone's enjoyment. So it should be a rip roar and good time. Now uh, they did have the previews events, I guess, last weekend. But stores could slash should be running actual release events this weekend. Exactly. And if you're going uh, to Vegas, they're going to have a ton of it out there too. Of course, they should. Uh, also, a uh, hidden hidden boon of recording a day late uh, is the fact that there was the new MTG stream that happens on Thursday uh, afternoons up in uh, up in Renton, where they are just kind of doing a talk show. They unveiled the winner of the uh, Great Designer Search three, uh, and they opened a beta booster pack online or on stream and opened a Savannah. So, so that's cool. Full blackboard or beta, and the chat mods are already talking about an Ocean's eight slash eleven style heist. <laughs> I might I have been. Were, I thought rule number one is don't talk about your heist on social media. It's not on social media. It's in Discord. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, in the actual but, mod Slack channel too. It's just yeah. 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 No, course. seriously. It's just a joke. So that actually is going to be donated in any proceeds from that pack. So basically, all the spice is going to be donated to Child's Play Charity. I'm assuming f- to be put up for auction at their charity dinner in December. So that would make sense. It will be going to a good cause. By the way, as of recording, uh, I looked at TCG Player and it's roughly about $1,300 for Beta Savannah. Let me nice. just get, get a price check myself. According to MG Goldfish, it says 929 but 
That's the TCG player mid for beta one. Boop, 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 boop. Internet being slow. Yeah, it's like there's like a graded one that's like 7.5 and stuff like that. And it's yeah. there's a near BGS graded 7.5 near mint plus for 12.95. Like sounds about 1, right. 000, yeah, and then just a straight up near mint Savannah for 2,400 dollars. So that's pulling things up. But yeah, LPs are 9.50 for black border beta. Savannah, it's kind of ridiculous, but that's going to be fun. Pretty sweet, uh, also, it's pretty sweet pool. Also, they announced the author of the new magic story, which is going to be tied into the core set, which doesn't always have a story, uh, but is going to be based around the origins of conflict. Yeah, it's the it's uh, it's going to be written by Kate Elliott. Honestly, never heard of her, but same. Okay, um, she's written books called Court of Fives, Poison Blade, Buried Heart, um. At least that's what her it's in her Twitter banner and stuff. Uh, she is writing eight installments starting June thirteenth, so literally next week we get M nineteen story starting. Uh, and like John said, it's origin that's of conflicts good. between Nicol Bolas and Ugin, and part of the story takes place on Tarkir. That's all she could say. Yay. So we're getting some Tarkir stuff, which is probably leading up to the crux of fate uh, fight from Presumably. the card. I would assume so. I mean, I mean, we Tark- already got a little bit of that in the Ixalan story when um, there was the, kind of like the flashback and Nicobolas kind of popped into Tarkir and it's like, hey, Ugin, your cat talks too much. Got him. Stupid Azor. Um, <laughs> God, what a, what a anyways, punk. anyways, that I think kind of covers it for looking at the community stuff. Yeah. Aside from Battlebond coming out this weekend. Oh, a new patch and stuff dropped with some quality, arena, of life, yeah. quality of life changes on Arena. We kind of talked about that already, so. I've been kind of poking around. I got a, a mythic wild card in one of my free packs. So that was pretty cool. Nice, nice. Uh, the, the, rest of the, inter- the rest of the rares were kind of junk, but whatever. Apparently they introduced scrolling text on the cards, and that seems weird. I haven't gotten to play the games. I just only opened up the uh, the boosters. I was like, I don't Anyways. have time to play yet. Anyways, let's talk about Proto Dominaria. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. It was great. Yeah. So um, draft was, you know, pretty sweet. Like it uh, has been, uh, uh, the uh, we we did get the decider of who draft master is, and it was Elias Watzfeld. He had like a didn't he have like a three game uh, lead going into day two? It was six points, so he had a two game lead. I know he had a two game lead going into the pro tour. Yeah, he went across the three pro tours this season. He went sixteen one and one in limited. Pretty good. That's pretty ins- good. That's insane. Uh, also, draft was really fun because we saw Sam Black draft the Triple Navigator's Compass deck uh, that also apparently had a bunch of other insane bombs. I, I haven't gotten to watch that match. Uh, John Finkel drafted more, probably one of the most insane decks you'll ever see on camera with Blue Red Wizards, including Karn. Um, I got to draft that deck once. I had Karn and Blue Red Wizards. It was fun. Uh, I think the the draft of the weekend, though, goes to Andrea Mangucci, who got both a Teferi and a Karn. That's I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, that that was, oof, that's spicy. Yeah. Hey, kids, I hear you like double planeswalkers because it's kind of good. I mean, I've had double planeswalkers in pre-release sealed. I, uh, my friend Doug, we did a Shadows of Innistrad uh, PPTQ up in Kentucky, and he had Soren and Arlen in the sealed pool. I mean, so so no offense to Jaya, but he got the two of the three. He got the two good ones of the three. <laughs> well, someone has to be the worst. Um, well, they can't all be playable. Yeah. As far as um, okay, and as far as standard is concerned, it was kind of what people expected. Uh, there was a lot of red, a lot of chain whirler. There was a weird delineation in coverage where they were talking about 
red black aggro versus red black midrange and on twitter it was discussed how the red black midrange decks are eschewing one uh, a one toughness creatures like bomac courier uh and like uh, in the earthshaker canner and the like yes if you, looking at the uh the deck list and stuff like that uh red the br- thing classified as red black aggro was basically packing bomac couriers the um some of them weren't packing the Earthshaker Kenras. Some of them actually worse. There was actually almost like two variants of the Red Black Aggro decks. But then there was mid-range, which is more of like running Scrap Heap Scrounger, Walking Ballistas, Hazards, and stuff like that. Like the lowest they were going was like Pia as a 2-2, yeah. which is um, some, of the, some of those mid-range ones were also running Karn where the aggro variants weren't necessarily. Uh, the aggro variants would have more like kind of removal um, there was red black aggro. There was mono red aggro still around. So yeah. Uh, Aside so, from the fact that there was like a forty percent, like a thirty percent red field, uh, there was a lot of other different fun variants in the format. Uh, Team CFB walked in with a blue green Karn deck that didn't perform super well, especially if you look at Paulo Vitorovitarosa's tweet from earlier in the week. Yeah, they, they said. I- yeah. What are you saying? You said Or he basically said, I think our blue-green card deck can be really good. Here's what I would do. Take out all the blue-green cards and put in all red cards. Yeah, basically. Um, Yvonne Flock and Sam Party rode theirs to seven wins, though, on that blue-green card list. Yeah. In, uh... Now, remember, so when it comes to records, they, they separate out the wins by... Uh, constructed and limited for these particular things so yeah because it's a mixed format uh event you know you can have a uh, you could have a bad standard deck still like do really well or a bad standard stack deck have a player do really well if they six so limited uh but usually that kind of gets gets exposed in the later rounds um and also another thing is too like you could also go oh three in the draft and still go five oh in standard still make day two exactly uh, also, one of the funny things with uh, the, what we previously mentioned with the red-black mid-range aggro deck, uh, Owen Turnwald, who made top eight, congrats to Owen, and Reed Duke were on the exact same 75. Reed's deck was was labeled as mid-range. Owen's deck was labeled as as aggro. Yeah, that was that was the weird one. And everyone was like, wait, why? Yeah. yeah. Speaking, though, of Reed Duke as well, the dude went to one, started off one and four, and then basically rattled off. I think he finished like he finished twelve and four. He yeah. finished twelve and four. Yeah, he went he, undefeated after that. Yeah, like starts off like one and four in the hole, basically dead to top eight already. In the f- one loss away from not making day two, starting round six, he's like, "Well, I'm dead to top eight. Let's see how this goes," and then runs it out. Um, literally with him and Owen. Okay, so Reed. And John Finkel were in the top 25, and Owen made it to the semifinals. All three of them are on ultimate guard, and they have just, like, an insane lead right now for the team competition yeah. we were talking about, too. Like, it, they're number one with a bullet at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they're the team to beat this year. Um, Haru Latin though, thanks to Marcio Carvalho, is in second right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then close behind them is, I still believe, uh, Muashi put up a good, pretty good result with their team so they're like hanging around third yeah um, they're it's still pretty close but it's it's almost like people are fighting like they would have to base the a team would have to basically win pt25 and just PGO to, and the rest of their team not do anything yeah basically they would need all of ultimate guard to just completely flame out 
So both the, the Ultimate Guard teams flame out and then have one of their teams win and another one make top four to basically pass if you're in the top 16 at this point. Like that's that's where they're sitting with certain with certain records. So yeah. kind of crazy, and, but... And speaking of Constructed Roll Fest um, and teams-ish, uh, Matt Severa uh, was the Constructed Master. He was a team of on uh, Team Metagurus, or Metagame Guru's son, who beat his their sister team, Metagame Guru Moons, John Rolfe, for Constructed Master. Had a 24-6 and record over all of the Pro Tours uh, up to this point, including a 9-1 record this time uh, to pull ahead of Rolf, as well as uh, this little guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Brian Braun Duin. He might have uh, won a world championship. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, no, so, uh, so the, they did, did a great article right up on there, basically it, like delineating just how crazy the, the – so Limited Master was basically all it but done for after round nine. Yeah, let's have that wrapped up in the bag at round nine. So it was kind of crazy, but Constructive Master came down to round fifteen. Yeah. So everything that went on and all that kind of craziness and stuff like that. Rolf won round fifteen. Severa lost round fifteen. So all that had to happen was Rolf had to win, and Severa had to lose or get a draw. But Severa Jeez. got Severa got his nine-one record, or. So Rolf won, so Severa had to get his 9-1 record, and Severa just wiped the board with Italy's Ricardo Biava, 2-0, real quick, Oof. leaving him with a 24-6 and constructive record across three Pro Tours, which is which is great. Very good, um, considering that's two standard, one modern event. So the dude is a multi-format uh, whiz. Monster, it, whiz, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and again, uh, both the Masters, uh, Ilias and Matt, you get invites to the uh, world's world championships uh, as you know who, the respective champ uh, format masters. Yeah, what's up? And you know who else gets invites to worlds? Who the winner of the pro tour? True story, and that would be uh, that would be Wyatt Darby, twenty uh, three year old from the United States. Uh, he was playing mono red because the top eight uh, consisted of seven chain whirler decks, two mono red. Although one of those mono red decks was playing black mana for Angraths out of the sideboard. It was weird. Uh, five red-black decks of the various types, and one Esper control deck that was basically a blue-black deck splashing Teferi, which is very kind of the deck du jour right now. For example, if you follow uh, one gentleman who we talked about previously, Matthew Folks, who uh, last time we talked about him, he called GP Birmingham's winning deck as red-black aggro. He is calling it this weekend as blue as Esper Control, which is a blue black deck splashing to fairy, uh, as well as a sideboard guide which he tweeted out. And uh, to be fair, it's not really just splashing to fairy. There is a Forsake the Worldly, the which two is very the, good right now. The two in the white instant with cycling two exile target artifact or enchantment. There's one in right the now. main, one in the sideboard, one cast out in the sideboard, and then three to fairy. Everything else is just blue black control. Your fatal pushes, negates, essence scatters, some syncopates, gear hulks, frasks contempt. And this uh, is very close to that list. Uh, also, uh, Autumn Burchett, the UK national champion, uh, played es- played a version of Esper Control at the Pro Tour. She did very well. Um, so Esper Control definitely a deck that you want to be having your your pulse on when you're preparing for a standard event. But as one would got expect, seven wins with that one. Yeah, uh, with she wasn't packing Forsaken the main. She had two in the sideboard. And with seven red decks in the top eight, you would imagine that the finals would come. Excuse me, would come down to a red mirror match, roughly. 
between uh, Giancarlo Pinto, uh, who was playing Red Black Midrange or Red Black Aggro or Chain Roller, depending on your definition, uh, and White Darby on Mono Red. Wyatt started off the finals with a two a quick two zero. Uh, then he lost games three and four to Giancolo, who had was able to stabilize and be, present the bigger threats, being the red black mid range aggro chain whirler deck. And then game five of the finals came down to probably the sickest sequence of draws you could ever see because Wyatt was dead to rights. Um, is it like Giancolo had an Ether Harvester in play, a Pia, a Thopter, a Chain Whirler. Everything was going his way. Uh, he had, but Giancolo was stuck on four mana with five drops stuck in his hand, like including uh, CJ and Commander and Glorybringers, which was a huge theme over the course of the top eight, where you have these red decks who are stuck on four mana, unable to play their five drops. Uh, it's what happened. Which is crazy because some of these red decks are playing 24 lands. That's not bad. Like Marcio Carvalho lost his uh, top eight match because he could not hit land five for Glorybringer and CJ and Commander. Um, That's bad. And why? And White had runner runner top decks for exactly what he needed because he couldn't he didn't have any way of dealing with the with the flyers, but one turn he drew a braid killed the harvester got knocked down to one life off of activating Pia to uh, to pump the thopter token. Next draw step, his board consisted of a Hazaret, a siege gang commander I think or a few tokens or whatever a chain whirler, uh, and then he drew his top card of this deck. It was Glorybringer, play Glorybringer, attack with everything, exert, kill your 3-3 Chain Roller to block. The only thing you can block left with is a Soul Scar Mage, and you take exactly lethal White Darby winning the Pro Tour at one life exactly. And oh, we also had a Kari Zev in play. That yeah, was a, that's yeah, the other creature. Yeah, especially the Kari Zev. You have to mention her because there was actually a judge call on that final attack. Yeah, because... because there was basically John Call asking, "Hey, Kari Zev, Basically, the Kari Zev trigger was what is the um, whenever attacks make the two one Ragavan. Yeah, basically. And Giancolo was basically asking, "Did did he miss the trigger?" And to Giancolo's credit, he did at like he did what he was supposed to do. There was confusion about whether or not Wyatt missed the trigger. Uh, Wyatt did I, miss the trigger. I believe it. Huh? Well, Wyatt didn't miss the trigger because he attacked with everything with confidence, like uh. uh Riki Hayashi, uh, level five or level three judge, did a whole tweet thread about it after the pro tour was over. Yeah, about how like Jet White clearly attacked after doing the math, including the Ragavan token, and he attacked with everything, and like noted the exert on the Glorybringer, and then like there was like a split second pause, and then he reached for the Ragavan token and put it into play, and Giancola was just asking, did White miss the trigger? Um, and Giancola did exactly what he was supposed to do. He asked the judge if there's because there was confusion, and whenever there's confusion, you should call a judge. But Wyatt, clearly all of Wyatt's uh, motions in that turn indicated that he knew that with the Ragavan he had lethal. It was like yeah. And another thing, one other thing is too is because it's a weird kind of loophole, not really not a really loophole, weird kind of gray area because like Glorybringer's text reads, you may exert it as it attacks when you do. So it's where does the exert fall compared to the carry Zevs whenever carry Zev Skyshipator attacks? So carry Zev attacks technically. You should get the token. So basically, off the, what happens? You, you should get the token off the Karizev, and then say, "Okay, Glorybringer is exalted when it's attacking." It's almost like, are they triggers? Not technic- no. So basically, so exerting is tricky because exerting is a choice you make as the creature attacks, and then whenever you exert a creature, there's usually some sort of triggered ability that gets it, then gets put on the stack. So that situation is basically, I attack with all my creatures, and then I exert Glorybringer, and then I put two triggers on the stack: one for Glorybringer, one for Karizev. 
So you, or you probably put Kari's out first and then Glorybringer so technically how he's going to do it. So, you know, reserve yeah, the Glorybringer exalt hit first and then grab the token first. Man, if Glorybringer had exalted... I meant, really or exert. Yeah, grab the exert, <laughs> or the four damage exert trigger yeah, off yeah. the Glorybringer first, then Kari's like, it doesn't out. matter at that yeah, point, I don't think. It's, it's, and everyone's like, oh, he's trying to anguish you, anguish you. It's like, no, he's just making sure that this is literally like the last like, attack of the Pro Tour, potentially. Mm-hmm. I want to make so, sure that this gets done right, and that's perfectly fine. And anyone yeah. else trying to say that it's not that, you dumb. Now, I wonder if we'd be having the same question if they ruled in Giancola's favor. Oh, that would have been insane. That would have been a, like I was so happy that that was like run runner top decks, like top deck glory bringer to bring the glory for Wyatt to win the Pro Tour, which was huge. Like if you watch any one match from this Pro Tour, watch the finals. But so yeah, man, so we gotta say Wyatt went up two zero. And then yeah. almost got reverse swept. It was ridiculous. Um, so the funniest part, though, about why it's uh, is they do top eight profiles, right? And I figure I'm just mm-hmm. going to pop poke through the profile, see what it is. His previous magic accomplishments. So keep in mind, you've got people like Owen Turnwald, who's five pro, his five pro top eights, two time player of the year, pro tour hall of fame, and stuff like that. Like you got Marshall Carvalho, who's like three pro tour top eights, finalist for world championship, top four magic online championship, and Kazuka Takamura who won PT Battle for Zendikar. What's Wyatt's? Earn the title of generic, of generic brand, in quotes, generic brand Michael Majors from Friends. <laughs> That's his listed previous magic accomplishments for his top eight profile. That is amazing, and I, I love it. I believe this was his second Pro Tour ever. Yeah, he went 6-0 in limited, 6-3-1 in standard. Um, his proudest non-magic accomplishment, he said, was paying his own way through college, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he had a two-out lightning strike to win round 15, which I think put him in the top eight. So he also like made top eight off of a two-outer lightning strike, basically, off the top of his deck, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, so Wyatt, congratulations to you. You're now playing at Worlds uh, have- this upcoming year, or this the end of this year. So I was, I was kind of digging through some other Twitter stuff regarding uh, a video. Oh, should mention this in the eyes on the community, but we now have an updated, um, hey, so you want to stream Magic Arena? video that gabby made produced for wizard of the coast and i saw through the chain of all that someone was looking to stream and then someone mentioned helping wyatt start streaming so apparently wyatt streams magic oh, as well so that's a thing i guess i'll have to dig up his username on twitch eventually but yeah so we now have a pro tour champion who apparently is looking to or getting into streaming as well which would be crazy cool to check that out too oh, as yeah. for Everything else in the Pro Tour, we didn't. Men- I did mention the uh, the Gre- the Steel Leaf Champion, mm-hmm. uh, Steel Leaf Stompy, aka Mono Green Beats, uh, did put up two eight win decks. Uh, again, Steel Leaf Stompy, by the way, is the Lily's running nineteen forest for Hashup Oasis, Lanowar Elves, Branch Walker, Jaylight Ranger, Ronus, Galta, Galta. Like you can get Galta down on like was it turn three or turn four with this deck? It's stupid. Yeah. Um, Galta is such a house, such a house. Yeah, because you can go like elves into Jaylight Ranger into Steel Leaf Champion. It's it's dumb. It's so ridiculous, and I love it. the deck is cool. It's got some yeah. Skyship Harvest in it too. Um, Anytime you can jam a Galta super early, I'm in. I'm in on it. Yeah. So we mentioned that Massavera needed nine wins, right? Like he's the only nine win person listed here mm-hmm. in terms of. Let's see here. Flip it through this real quick. Yeah, he is the only person who had nine wins. Uh, a lot of their top eight people had the the, the tie, so I'm assuming they, they drew in to top mm-hmm. eight. So 
Yeah, he's the only person who had nine wins on the on the weekend, which is quite great. Uh, he had Black Agro. There was Guillaume Matignon at eight wins with Esper Control. There was another Esper Control at eight wins, or White Blue to Ferry. That was the other one. Some call White Blue Control, others White Blue to Ferry, and I'm or no Esper versus White Blue. It's it's weird the naming of decks, yeah. but there was a White Black Knights deck called White Black Benalia, which is pretty sick. Yep. Um, There's also a similar deck, uh, Esper Benalia, that was uh, pre- that was showcased on day one. I don't know <laughs> if it did any did well on day two of the Pro Tour, but it definitely existed for a little bit there. There was a, a green blue counters deck with like Jade Light Ranger, Vriskar, Verger's Gear Hulk, Hadana's Climb at seven. Yep, Sultai Snake. No, not even Sultai. There's oh, no, not there Sultai no, Snake. No Snake, just green blue, straight but, up Simic. But, but why no Snake? I don't know because the man <laughs> the man is bad. Uh, sure. I will. I will take that excuse. Hey, Willie Adel, mono black control at seven wins. Uh, excuse me, Jund, mono black Jund. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So there was a tweet that's it was it was the actual. He said Jund. it during the deck tech. Yeah, he said it's just it's Jund, and it's like, all right, all right, buddy. <laughs> it, Jund to be listen, to be fair, it, Jund if, is Jund is when when people refer to Jund these days, they are not really necessarily referring to the color combo they're more looking at hey jund him out get him tom ross played mono white jund at the team modern super league it's just value jund him out (laughs) the mono white jund deck by the way was uh, essentially martyr proc uh martyr sands which lets you gain like a bajillion life and the proclamation of rebirth which lets you get it back for essentially free and then gain a billion life and mono silly it's grindy decks basically exactly if you want to grind your opponent into a fine paste uh, play Jund, Jund, play a Jund you. deck. Yeah, in this case, Mono Black Control, which is looking to potentially drop. Oh wait, wow, he didn't even have it in here. Yeah, no, yeah. The big thing with Huey is that, or not with Huey, Willie is that he was not playing Cabal Stronghold. Is he that was, he was playing the was, Desert thing? I'm not even he was looking playing, at that. He's not uh, even playing. He's not even playing Jozu. No, like he's playing. He's playing the deserts like Ifner Deadlands, Desert Glorify, Scavenger Grounds, uh, Walking Ballista. I think has to be in that deck. Otherwise, it'd be really weird if it didn't. There's two. Uh, yeah, so but it's essentially just you know a lot of removal and then some big finishers. And yeah, Josu Vest is not seeing play in that deck. That's crazy. Josu Vest is a little too slow. Yeah, well, you know. Also, without Cabal Stronghold, it's a lot harder to make ten mana. That is very true. That is so, incredibly true. Yeah, because you have to be basically hitting like four swamps just to be getting any kind of extra mana out of it or something. Yeah, the Cabal Stronghold decks are don't have room for things like Ifner Deadlands or Desert of the Glorified, which is what Hugh, what, what uh, Willie's deck is playing. Yeah. Because he, the Desert of the Glorified has cycling, so it's not a dead draw in the late game, or, or you can use it for your Ifner Deadlands to shrink their big creatures. Yeah, so there's... So just, you scroll down the rest of it, there's, like, there's, Gabe Nassif was on Jeskai Control, so that's kind of cool. There's a Green Unsurprising. Blue... G- Jason Chung had Green Blue Gifts. There's some Esper decks. There's Esper Penalia deck um just a lot of red like a lot the pro, the, of red. there are a lot of different decks at the pro tour the problem is that a lot of the top performing decks were red i mean hey white blue approach is still there bbd was piloting it yeah white so, approach still still very powerful only only six wins but still you know not awful at the thing now remember when it comes to like metagames we talked about this the pro tour is weird in its own way you can't really go off of that particular um you can't look at the event of the pro tour and accurately judge how future metagames will look 
unless you t- unless you you think everyone will metagame off of the Pro Tour, which is one of the weird things with when the Pro Tour was earlier in the season, everyone would be, would be like, okay, let's wait for the Pro Tour to see what the what the meta looks like. But then you get decks like the one that I always go to is the blue red Insolithopter deck from Magic from Magic Origins. Um, was a ve- or yeah, Magic Origins was a very popular deck at the Pro Tour because it could just wait, get wins out of nowhere. But after that event, it did nothing. Yeah, so you have to be aware of that with Pro Tour decks, where sometimes you know you'll see a deck like Blue Green Karn as an example. Like I think that was one of those metagame decks where they were expecting a field of a lot of Chain Whirlers and a lot of Teferis, and so they built their deck to not have X ones and to kind of leverage Karn and his concert making ability to end games in kind of an efficient manner. However, it ran probably ran up against the wrong portion of the metagame in many different situations, or the mono red decks just had way better draws than they did. Yeah, I believe I saw something like that. One second. Uh... Researching. But, like, if you want to look at a future event and try to, to like, look at these decks and say which ones look fun, look, which ones look cool... I I would say that probably most of the decks at this Pro Tour, aside from maybe Blue Green Karn, aren't like those metagame scalpel style decks. And I think this metagame is a little bit more indicative of the real world and not as inbred as it usually is. Yeah, it's just one thing that you always got to keep in mind. Um, there is it. Yeah, they tried to harness. So I was trying to see if he had LSV had a little bit of a tidbit in one of the Channel Fireball emails about it. Basically. Dex's game plan to pressure the opponents with productive threats like Karn, Gear Hulk, Ballista with Glint Nest Crane, and Scrap Trawler to support it. Did fairly well, but had a rough matchup against the higher curve red black deck. So, the red black mid range deck, which a lot of people ended up playing, it was very, very popular. So, it was a dog to that deck, but they figured it had a good game against the rest of the field, hoping that maybe pe- other people found something else that weren't going to play red black. And unfortunately, people played red black. So, I, ha- I had seen that. I just wanted to make confirm that. That's exactly what LSV and the uh, team had yeah. come to realize. So if you don't see a lot of red-black and that deck look fun, give it a whirl. Exactly. See what, I it, see what I did there? I, I did see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. So not a whole lot really um, with this Pro Tour to wrap up. It's, it's kind of a – I'll say this. I've seen some pros talk about how like they just can't get it up in terms of their excitement for pro tours later in the season um to be i I saw i've seen some who was it christian calvano i think it was that i saw yeah calcano Calcano, yeah christian calcano uh said he wasn't super enthused about the whole later you know in this cycle pro tour which is understandable certain pros will like it others don't and you know everyone's gonna have their own opinions on it there's really not too much to kind of speculate right now. We're kind of, again, like I said, we're getting M19 story starting next week. Um, preview season is God knows when. Apparently, in the near future. Apparently, we might be getting some previews at GP Vegas, so keep your eyes on the stream for that one, kids. By the way, GP I Vegas not is be surprised. Not, not this weekend, but next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, this weekend, this weekend is SCG Con, which is the first Magic Con of its kind. Like, yeah, that's not uh it's it's essentially just I'll I'll give SCG this because they, they they don't have Grand Prix anymore. Otherwise, I honestly think this would have just been a Grand Prix. Like I can a, see that. an overglorified Grand Prix kind of stuff thing with all the extra side events and everything going on like that. It feels like a GP Vegas light 
but mm. not actually grant. It's like everything that GP Vegas, at least 2015, and even this one's going to have a whole lot of cra- craziness going on at it. Yeah. It's just like everything GP Vegas has, but it's not a GP. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, Core 2019 pre-release weekend is July 7th and 8th, which means previews is probably starting oh within my two weeks. God, it's a month away. Yeah. Oh, crap. I'm moving during then. I'll have to find <laughs> Oh, darn it. That's going to throw a wrench in my plans because, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to play that pre-release. I'll be in the middle of a, I'll be in the middle of driving across the country for my move <laughs> that weekend. I don't have time to take five hours to play a, a pre-release in, Probably the not. A, in the middle of a drive. I mean, uh, granted, we, draft I do, weekend is the weekend after that, obviously, with the release date being July 4th, or July 13th. Yeah. And then the weekend after that, I've got an SCG event in philly if i can find a team <laughs> yeah speaking of if you know anybody who's playing in scg philly around the 20th 21st i think it is of july hit me up <laughs> i need a team <laughs> yeah if not i'll so just spe- go and play some side events because why not yeah speaking of ian if people wanted to find you on the social medias while you're driving cross country where could they do so you guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. I'll be tw- uh, using my – I've been ramping up the sports tweets a lot lately. But, yeah, I tweet about magic, sports. Um, my cross-country drive is coming up. There uh, big events for me coming up that you'll be seeing me tweet about are a Canadian Highlander tournament at Card Kingdom uh, the week after Grand Prix Vegas. And also Grand Prix Vegas next week. Heck, yeah. It's going to be Heck great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. There's so many plans. It's it's ridiculous. I'll talk about it next week. But And then on Twitter, or not Twitter, I said Twitter, Twitch. There we go. At twitch.tv slash dicks. That's just D-I-X. Uh, still, again, in the packing thing. I'm heavy air quoting right now. Packing things up to go to for the move. So I don't know if I'm able to stream. Potentially after my stuff gets packed up after Vegas, I might have a little bit of time when I'm just out processing and signing out a post to at least do a small, small stream. John, how about you, man? Where can I find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. So don't hesitate to say hi. If you see me floating around the various chats in the magic space, I've also been putting YouTube videos on YouTube, but those are kind of stopped recently because I've been having a little bit of computer trouble and magic online still won't open on my computer. Um, but Dude. Yeah, I know. It's it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, but I am prepping for the RPTQ, uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend, uh, the 24th of June, which is going to be exciting, to say the least. So, so you've uh, got that, and I've got the... Uh... Yeah, you've got Vegas, and then I've got the RPTQ. Well, I'm saying your RPTQ uh, That'll also the be the same. Yeah, that'll be the same weekend as the uh, Canadian Highlander Tournament. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a fun weekend. So, uh, Team Unified Standard is weird. Yeah, we'll, we'll save your thoughts on that one for, I guess, after? Probably. So John, yeah. and I were, John and I were talking about schedule coming up. So we're going to talk about like pre-Vegas, maybe some other stuff next week. Then the week after that, I'll give a Vegas wrap-up. We'll talk a little bit about some prep for our Barbecue. respective events and such. Yeah. And then the week after that, I'm – wait. I don't remember. Moving, or you no, there's there's another move. week after that, and then it's the week after that while I'm moving. I got oh, plans. John, you'll do your RPTQ wrap up. I got plans. Yeah, we got the wrap ups for both of our events the week after that, and then the the week while I'm moving, John's gonna have some of his buddies on the show. That's so the plan. Forward. So look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, 
By the way, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in two ways. One, you can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.